This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's unbelievable! From the Embassy Row Studios in the crap part of Soho. It's the Men in Blazers podcast, Rob. Yet another one. Another Men in Blazers another, podcast. Another one! Another, another, another week one. of football. Another football season. Another Champions League season. Another World Cup coming. Devo was just uh, asking me a deep question as he came out of the toilet. Does, you said what? Does football really matter? Does it really matter? I know this is like a departure because usually I'm the positive one. I'm the happy one. But I must say I'm just having this. Maybe this is my sort of zen moment before we dive into our World Cup tour, dive into our sort of a book release and book launch into the Night of the Golden Blazer, all the stuff we're doing, a World Cup. The MLS All-Star Game, like all the big things, Rog. <laughs> but, I, and maybe this is a result of being week 37, week 38 of the Premier League season. Which has been over since about week nine. <laughs> I know. But, and I just am struck. All my mates who are Liverpool fans, like, they've got that Manchester swagger right now. That sort of walk that people in Manchester have. Where they feel like they're slightly better people. By the way, Liverpool invented that swagger. Manchester just followed it and took the name. To okay, keep fine. Going. Liverpool's uh, yeah. Roger Bennett. But there is this sense, and last season, Chelsea won the league. Yep. This year, Man City have played beautiful, beautiful football and yep. won anything. But are Leicester fans still feeling the vibe off their championship season? Is that what you're no, saying? No, my point does, is... Does anything last? Does anything? There is this point at which I find quite ridiculous that Liverpool fans feel somewhat better about themselves as humans because of how well their team have played and because they've made the Champions League final. They are, they are no better people or successful people. They're no more winners because their team has gone to the Champions League final than had they not managed to hold on against Roma. Arsenal fans are no less people because of their sixth place trophy, Rog. I, I, I was no better person last year because Chelsea won the league than I am this year when Chelsea are sort of struggling to make the top four We'll probably lose to Man United in the FA Cup final. It just is, I get sometimes tired of what football fans get out of the game about themselves yep. rather than what they get out of football for the love of the football itself. I've got two answers. I'm tired of all of that. I've got two answers for you. Yep. The first is, philosophically, football matters. It has to matter. Because if it doesn't, nothing matters. Well, but the football, but the football matters. Yes. Football matters. It's the matters. only meaning I have. Don't take it. I'm begging you. That was not a statement. That was really a statement that was really a hidden begging question. But does question. it make you Don't matter? Take, here's where that matters for me. Because I've watched this with my Liverpool brother, Nige. Yeah. And his family of red season yeah. ticket holders. And I will say this. He feels like a slightly superior Bennett. No, 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 no. But what he is aware of. Right this second. Well, he used to. Even though the narrative has gotten a bit bit dark, slight tweak of will they make top four now, what ifs, what ifs. Let's put them aside. Here's what I think they're doing right now, all of them. And you're experiencing this with George, your son, yeah. week to week as well. I think Liverpool fans, they're not feeling better than, they're not feeling superior than. I think they are self-aware that they are making memories that will last lifetimes. They are weaving together collective memories in their lives as individuals and as families. Or put another way, when my Liverpool supporting nephew, Jacob, and my nieces 
are 90, please God. They will sit in rocking chairs, rock backwards and forwards, and they'll hum, allay, 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 and they will think back to these moments. They'll think back to these moments, and they will think about some of the happiest collective city-wide family memories of their lives. And I think there's that's where the meaning lies. Well, in that spirit, I do want to raise a glass right off the top to Sir Alex Ferguson. Yeah, Manchester totally. United, Absolutely. a legend who's given us all moments of awe and admiration and wonder, currently fighting to recover after undergoing emergency surgery for a brain hemorrhage last Saturday. What a bloke he is, Dave, in the spirit of this conversation. Tough, oh, demanding, ruthless, brilliant, obsessive. An icon that we learn to love through football, a meaning that was given to us through football, so consistent in his pursuit of glory. I think just off the top, we wish him, his family, and his great friend Charlie Stilitano, our great friend, love and strength in the days and weeks to come, because God knows he will need it. A man who literally built the Premier League. A hard, hard man. Thank God right now, and he seems to be doing a little bit better, which which, which is excellent. I'm sure it's because of... The toughness. I do want to ask you quickly off the top on the Sir Alex tip. Billy Bean, GFOP, mm-hmm. asked me this question to ask Jurgen Klopp, and I wanted to ask you for your answer. He wanted to know, Davo, or listeners, if you owned a team for 10 years and I could get you as a team owner over 10 years of Sir Alex at his best as a manager or 10 years of Lionel Messi at his best as a player, which would you choose? So you're saying if you had a new team yeah. or an imaginary team. If you brought a team and I could say, Dave, I'm going to give you 10 years of prime Sir Alex Ferguson, a great manager to lead the team, or 10 years of arguably the best player to ever play the game, Lionel Messi, which would you select? <sighs> um, the delegates in my head, the 100 delegates, Rog, are going insane. There's a pitched battle going on. It's a full house. All 100 of them are there. There's a couple of guys coming in wheelchairs from there. You know, from their from their hospital wards to be there for the vote, Rog, and it's a squeaker. It's going down to the wire. I think it's going to go fifty-one forty-nine, Sir Alex. <sighs> Only because I'm imagining an English Premier League team where Lionel Messi gets just he just gets chopped to bits by <laughs> by Ryan Shawcross. Yeah. You've Formerly of the Premier League. Like Stephen Naismith. Yeah. Never allowed to fully flower. Yeah. Oh, I did. Funny enough, Jurgen Klopp chose Lionel Messi, and I thought, oh, even at the time, I thought, wrong answer. The answer's always Darren Moore. Always, yeah. always Darren Moore. Oh, as you say, we are about to launch into an incredible period of time for Men in Blazers. First off, I want to thank you for your support, dear GFOPs, for our tour, which we launched on Monday. We're going to Los Angeles, St. Louis. Seattle, San Francisco, we are coming for you. And hey, Portland, come and spend Father's Day with two fathers. What could be more apt? Tickets for all of these shows are available now on meninblazers.com. Come and enjoy the show. Come and enjoy each other, the guests, the World Cup celebration. Oh, we really can't wait. I plan to eat and drink myself all the way through your cities. Yeah, absolutely. And I I want to apologise. I've seen... You know, several GFOPs, I think, disappointed that we're not going to be in the middle of the country. We're not going to be in Denver. We're not going to be in Chicago this time. We're not, not the angry be... people in Tulsa. Yeah, in Tulsa. Uh, we're not going to be in the great state of Texas. There are several places where we would love to be love. that we're not, that, that not going to be. And I'm going to be a, an enormous mere culpa on that. Is Unfortunately, I do have another job 
and I'm in studio on a on a new show for a lot of the month of June, so it restricted the number of dates we could do. Rog would have Rog would have gladly been in a different city every single night. But we will be recording every day. Yeah. And we will be coming to you, please God, in the years to come. When America win the women's world cup, we mm-hmm. will be we're gonna be in Tulsa for thirty straight days. Philadelphia, yeah. Brooklyn, Boston. Those tickets will go on sale next week. Please help spread the word. There's so little to cheer in America during the World Cup. There will be no delirious scenes watching Jonathan Brooks cry en masse from Grant Park, Chicago or Dallas Cowboys Stadium. So come be with us. Raise a pint of bud uh, and just let's celebrate. As Davo always says, Davo, I mean, the eternal optimist. Yeah. You always say the best World Formally Cups optimist. in your life. The best World Cups of my life were the ones where England weren't playing where the team that I am passionately support weren't playing. 74, 78, 94. Because? They, were, they just were... You weren't stressed. I weren't stressed. The sort of Damocles By the way, 90, 1990, which was the most incredible World Cup for England. England are actually good in 1990. They might have actually made the final in 1990, maybe with a better team in the semi-final. It was a miserable World Cup because it was so tense. Every game was awful. <laughs> just, that's where I lost my hair, Rog. <laughs> for a lot of reasons, I think this World Cup is going to be... Fascinating. I can't wait for that. We also, we have a book coming out. No, we don't. Have we mentioned it? Yeah, we do. It's sitting right there. <sighs> sitting right there on the table. It is God, it's so beautiful. <sighs> I, know I would. You would. I you would, would though, wouldn't you? I would. It's Pep Guardiola beautiful. It is. It's I not would. quite Olivier Giroud beautiful. Would I? Yeah. I have. <laughs> That's why the pages are stuck together yeah. on this copy. Ugh. It's unusable. I know we've talked about this book up the wazoo, dear listeners. Yeah. And I cannot, I cannot, I cannot tell you how much we appreciate your support. I want to say... One last time before it comes out, May 15th. It comes out. This is the last pod before the Golden Blaze, before the book comes out. Wow. If you only do one thing in relation to this podcast this year, please buy our book early and often because the book industry is so bloody hard. Books are so done. No one reads. Everyone just plays Fortnite, vapes, watches porn, and, and, and esports now, apparently. Uh, most a lot of, of people gamble. Most well. often all at the same time. Yeah. You oh, I don't know how they do all that at the same time. Like they, It must be ambidextrous, everyone nowadays. So I'm speaking to you, dear GFOP listener. We're counting on you to step up. Order this book from Amazon or non-Amazon book outlets, right, Davey? Yeah, local bookstores. Go into your local supermarket, see if they carry books. I yep. mean, we, we... Your we, corner store, your deli. Yeah, you, don't have to, your deli. You, you don't have to pre-order a book. From somewhere where you would naturally pre-order. Just go to a 99 like cent store. Yeah. They'll have it there eventually. <laughs> I promise you. Go early. Yeah. Just go and ask if yeah. they've got it Keep yet. Keep demanding at the 99 yeah. cent store. Yeah. Dave is appalled. Dave is appalled by how poorly the book industry operates, don't you? I asked Rog this week, like, how's the book tracking? And he's yeah. like, I don't track books. I have no idea how the book's tracking. Whereas, like, in the motion picture business, in TV, we constantly know how our projects are tracking, what's going to happen, how many people are going to go opening weekend. It's not with 100% accuracy, but it's pretty good. I can tell you if you want to know, it's going yeah. to, our book's going to do terrible. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's just, your, that's just the way you're wired. I know. Yeah, it is. There's yeah. Cossacks behind every book release door. It's very true. Okay, Rog, we have had Congress make Tuesday, May 15th, the same day of the Golden Blazer, and our book release, the National Day of Blazers. This is a blazer-tanical proclamation. All participants in said day... <laughs> have the chance to get a signed book plate and, and Rog, not just a signed book plate. Release the hounds. But also a Men in Blazers patch. Here's how it works. If you've bought our book via pre-order, it should arrive that day. You can also run out and buy it at a bookstore the old-fashioned way. On May 15th and May 15th only, 
take a picture of yourself holding the book and tweet or Insta it at us using the hashtags, hashtag National Day of Blazers and hashtag giveaway, then send a link of your post to our publisher at aaknopf at randomhouse.com. That actually goes to Alfred Aknopf. In his grave. Everyone who does that gets the aforementioned signed book play and patch Required legalese, US residents 18 plus, ends 51518, see terms at men So you just take a picture of yourself yeah. holding the book on yep. May 15th. Yep. You basically tweet it or Insta it at us before midnight. Yeah, but to your peoples. Yeah, using the hashtags, hashtag National Day of Blazers, hashtag giveaway. What about hashtag hot dudes reading? Yeah, you can add that too. <laughs> you can add as many hashtags J- as you can J-Dubs get thinks we should do hashtag bull dudes reading. Great, the National Day of Blazers, Rog. Who would have thought? As you mentioned... Golden Blazer mm-hmm. on the same day, fifth annual, fifth annual Golden Blazer. Well done to Bob Lee, by the way, first winner who, who won a solo Emmy, which is amazing. Paul Carr tweeted out first person in history to win a Golden Blazer and a solo sports Emmy. The fifth one is going to be a cracker. GFOP's coming. Please dress up for the Golden Blazer show. We've got CBS Sunday morning coming to tape it. <laughs> We'd love it to be as full kit wankery as possible. Do you think he won his sports Emmy? His solo sports semi because he won the Golden Blazer. What other possible it, it, explanations? Is, is Rebecca Lure going to win a solo sports semi next? I think Loretta Lynch unlikely <laughs> to win a solo sports semi, but God knows Rebecca deserves one. We're having a live post-show drink at Flannery's right down the street from the Highline Ballroom. Even if you didn't get a ticket for the sold-out Golden Blazer, come down and have a glass with us. Make this a night of nights. I know that our Golden Blazer recipient. This is all I will say about mm. him or her. Him or her is going to tie one on. It's going to be a night on the lash with the Golden Blazer. Some of my mates are coming who have never listened to a single episode of the podcast, lucky, never seen the, the TV show. They the really have no... They're going to come because they just want to understand what all of this nonsense is all about. Okay, tomorrow, Rog, after West Ham versus Man United, at 5.30pm Eastern Time, it's the season four finale, thank God, of the Men in Blazers TV show with special <laughs> guest Colts quarterback... Andrew Luck. It's a special season in review episode in which we look back at all the storylines of the season that have brought us joy. And Andrew judges our goal of the season competition. Yeah, we award the first annual Golden Pie of Glory, Andrew Luck and I, for the goal of the season. What a bloke. There you go. There you go. Okay, we've got a pack show. We're going to bust out the Telestrator for an intense tactical breakdown of City's title celebrations in which the Premier League trophy tumbled to the Etihad turf, turf, turf. We recap... Arsene's final game at the Emirates as Arsenal manager, and we don suits of armour and wade into the vicious battle to avoid relegation. Plus, the Hudson River Derby and Waza to MLS? Question mark, question mark, question mark. We'll get to all of that, but first, to the football. Yes, Rog. Oh, this was an odd weekend. It really was. The big moments were either presentations of the trophy Mm -hmm. or Wenger's farewell. Yeah. Or relegation football in which the games were really as poor as the stakes were existentially high. Mm. So Premier League top four could only be bothered this weekend to win one point between them. Thank God then for the Classico, David. Game of blood, thunder, massive names showing up to deliver. Ronaldo, Messi, Gareth, bloody Bale. Oh, Barcelona emerged still unbeaten on the season in La Liga. So I raise this bud to Los Invincibles, a season of wonder. 
Bud fam, blood fam. God, the, the effort you just made to ignore Chelsea by eliminating, by focusing on the one point one by the top four, like everything counted this weekend except for Chelsea's welcome. win against Champions League finalists Liverpool. Welcome anyway, to my world. There bro. you go, Rod. Okay, we'll kick right off with Man City nil, Huddersfield nil. A disciplined Terriers side scrapping for their Premier League lives, become the first team to hold the title winners scoreless at the Etihad all season. David Wagner's men get an absolutely crucial point and prevent City from breaking records for goals scored and games won. But nothing was stopping that ebullient post-game trophy presentation at a sun-drenched Etihad. The coronation of our new kings. Mm-hmm. Amidst joyous scenes, Pep Guardiola squad lifted their third Premier League trophy since Sheikh Mansour arrived in 2008, invested just a small matter of $1.6 billion mm. in time to vacuum up one more league title than his team had managed in their self-sabotaging 116 years that preceded it. City chasing records for wins, points, goals, blah, 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 blah. Lowly Huddersfield, much more basic needs. This is an entire squad assembled for about as much as City paid for Bernardo Silva, mm. who sits on the City bench. City penthouse, Huddersfield, pavement. David Wagner desperately attempting to grasp Premier League survival is running, David. Manchester City, Chelsea, Arsenal. I can't think of anything more frightening. They put on a performance Did they ever? Uh, at Man City. Man City, one would say, a little, little flat, finding it hard, as teams do at the end of the season, to sort of keep up um, You know that sort of sharpness of edge. And you know, Man City is a team where they have to be, they have to be on. They've got to be on. They've got to be hitting those passes precisely. They've got to sort of find their timing, find their movement. And I'm not sure that they were quite prepared for how hard Huddersfield came out and played against them. They were them. like a poor man's Yorkshire James Bond, strapped down with a leg spread wide open on a conveyor belt, moving towards a platinum-bladed buzzsaw, somehow fighting off to tell the tale. I, I am not, and I tweeted this, a Huddersfield fan. I- I've been there once, which was to make a film about them before the season. But I lived every single human emotion, watching mm. them hold City at bay for that last 10 minutes. Fear, hope, desperation, elation, which ultimately, to your earlier points, why we watch football. To me, it makes us feel things that I'm totally dead to in real life. But that trophy presentation, what a pageant. City do do trophy presentations yeah. bloody well. It was also, Rod's quick point, it was also bring your kids to work day, which I always think, if you've ever, if you've ever been in the office <laughs> on bringing your kids to work day, nothing gets accomplished because no one can focus on their work because you spend the whole time looking over at your kids and making sure they don't like walk into anything or put their fingers in the electronic outlet. That trophy presentation, though, wonderfully executed pageant. City do do pageants bloody well, right? Every single detail. What was quite nice is that the last few years, we actually haven't seen the trophy presentation. They've cut away from it so quickly. So I don't think we saw it at Chelsea last season. They literally just cut out of it and we never witnessed it on American television. Uh, But yeah, this was done. I mean, it was the sort of the standard fare. It was the... It was the sort of uh, fireworks. It was the, uh, the the confetti. It was those sort of fire I'm cannon things. I Sheikh Mansour didn't buy dragons. Get yeah. them just to kind of flow around. Yeah, there. bring them in from Wales. Yeah, for yeah. God's sake. But what was fascinating, a couple of things. Number one, no GoPros. Yeah. Clearly banned. No uh, cell phone selfies. They wanted it to look old school and timeless, yeah. and it did. Yeah. Huge cheer for Yaya, who's been a bit part this season. Yeah, but, but a huge part of the dressing room. Huge part. I mean, yeah. transformationally, him, Kunaguero, David Silva and company have been the agents that have changed this team from their old city to this this new one. Um, above all, for me, it was remarkable watching Pep, David. Bulls mm. win, Bulls win, Bulls win. What do you think was going through his mind as his team got the trophy, his first Premier League title, after this two-year journey when he arrived, behold the profit, he was 
derided as a false messiah, fraudiola, but then he stuck to his principles, didn't deviate from them, and eventually delivered glory. I'm sure that he's very, very focused on where he's going next. And my guess is <sighs> to his employers, no, not Everton, Rod, he's never going to Everton, <laughs> to his employers, they like winning the Premier League title, but they've really got their eyes on the Champions League. And he knows yes. next year, and I think he said in interviews, he knows next year is going to be hard. I mean, one of the remarkable things about this season is that you do have some other very good Premier League teams in Liverpool and Tottenham. And Man United, without playing very well, have beaten both of those teams. Chelsea have certainly proven at the end of the season with their form that they could have had a better season. Nobody put pressure on City earlier. I think the fixture list conspired to help them a little bit and got them way ahead. And no one mounted a challenge. I think he knows he's going to be challenged next year. Yeah. I think he knows he's got to go and win the Champions League. That was what was so funny about watching him, Dave. He was not that focused on joy. He was worried about something. Yes, in that moment, while the cannons are going off and there's the footballers doing the football dance, jumping up and down. He seemed awkward, jumpy. Yeah. There was joy emerged briefly, yeah. but you also got the feeling he wanted to get the hell out of there yeah. into the tape room to watch game tape at Brighton. Yeah. We know he's a man who quite literally can't let his hair down, but his comments after the game, today was proof we can do better next season. Who says that when they've just well, been given the- He realised that they didn't have dragons. Yeah. And he knew, the second he didn't see the dragons, he knew, I don't have job security yet. Until, until, until the dragons are like marching around the thing, breathing fire. I, I mean, it's funny you mention the dragons again, because the quote I keep thinking of is Robert Baratheon's, who said that sitting on a throne is a thousand times harder than winning one. And as you say, every team is going to come even harder at Pep. Yeah. Every team will spend the summer recruiting to beat Pep studying how to defang Manchester City's tactical plan. He knows how hard it is to repeat. It means you've got to bring it every moment, every game, every decision he makes, his players make. And thus we've seen that he is a man on a consistent search for perfection. That's what's been amazing about watching the end of City season, chasing the record, setting that bar high enough so they can compete against themselves. He's a man who looks at the impossible and says, if you do not chase it, then you can never make it real. It's and remarkable. also, he, he's been around the block a few times, Rog. I know it's impossible to imagine an unsuccessful Guardiola at this point. You know, I'm working with a television network right now and they're on top. And they're acting like we're always going to be on top, and they won't be. NBC Sports. You aren't always. You aren't always there, <laughs> Rod. You're not always on top, and so I think he knows it that he's not NBC that far Sports. away from being Fraudiola again. You know, in the papers, will turn around. Look at Arsene. He had the Invincibles in 2003, 2004. The Invincibles. You mentioned another Invincible, but he had Arsenal undefeated through an entire Premier League season. What can go wrong? I now? know it just happens. Leicester win the Premier League. They're in danger of relegation the following season. Chelsea win the Premier League. You know, they're in danger of relegation the following season. They then win the Premier League again, and this year they've just been blah. They've just been, like, a bit average through most of the season until recently. Reminds me of that old advice. You meet everyone twice in life, treat them like it, once on the way up and once when you're on the way down. Yeah, no, it's very true. I'm raising this bud to Pep. Hashtag Bill Flyfe. Remarkable, remarkable. Amazing season. Talking about Wenger. Arsenal 5, Burnley 0. This was a good result. Was that this year or was this in 1998? It's it's Arsenal's best result of the season, probably. The Gunners unfurl a footballing episode of This Is Your Life. This, dun, 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 for Arsene Wenger's final game in charge at the Emirates, pumping five poetic goals past Europa League-bound Burnley. Amazing. If Brexit hadn't happened... 
Brexit would be happening. It would be forced on us after next season, Burnley being in the Europa League. Because the Europeans would be like, get out. Be like, get we out. Don't, yeah, get out. We you. don't want you. We, can't, we don't <laughs> we want you. Burnley remain. <laughs> no, you can't remain. You absolutely <laughs> cannot remain. But this was a day in which the football was really just a fries to the Flying Dutchman that was the Alsatians' final home game at the helm. A day grown men and women sob like little boys and girls. A day tinged slightly by the pathos of the Europa League exit in Madrid. Diego Costa... Wenger's last final and most fitting assassin, his Moriarty in many ways. I mean, a sad, sad, sad. I mean, it is sad that Worst Wenger will not have the... possibly go. Yeah. I spent the whole time thinking, is, is Costa just thinking, oh, Arsenal, here we go again. <sighs> but, so this was the last time we would see him coach at the Emirates, or at least in the home dugout, the, the moment a million Wenger out signs had screamed for. You had a big takeaway, though, David. No, my enduring memory of the last few weeks of Arsene's uh, reign is the realisation that it's a man who only owns one cardigan. <laughs> He's literally worn this same cardigan every single day that I've seen him in public for the last three weeks. I've been there. Can, I, can, can we I, buy him? Can we buy him another cardigan? Can I explain it? Yeah. As a cardi man, yeah, I have tons. I know. Most of them are thick. Yeah, you like chunky cardies. When the weather gets in betweeny, yeah, you have to go with a thin cardi. I imagine Wenger does not have many thin cardies. I've only got two, and mid I'm grade cardi. It's, it's a mid grade cardi. This is a man who can have more than one merino cardi. We're gonna go to Drake's, yeah, our favourite new store yep. in Soho. We're gonna go and buy. Wenger a cardi, and we're going to send it to him. You've got us a dream. You know, you know Arsene. We're yep. going to send it to Arsenal. We're going to buy the man a cardi. Oh, as a farewell gift from yeah, America. because we were worried he only had one. Chip in. He's going to need Arsene, a second one. An American cardi. Yeah. Oh, when we do that, David, we should talk quickly about the game. Because on oh, this day, really? the football was fittingly magnificent. No, Arsenal were fantastic. They were. I mean, the goals came early, often. Glorious weather. Strikes at a wing play. The flare cutbacks. The fabulous finishes. Old school Arsene Wenger's flourish and wonder. Bit of a flicker of hope for the future, seriously, about Arsenal for a second. Lacazette and Aubameyang's partnership, which we'd seen fleetingly. I think they'd had just 211 minutes playing together. Yeah. But my God, potent minutes. Nine goals between the two of them in that time. Burnley fans spent their time just chanting, you wanted him sacked, you wanted him sacked. Arsenal fans, you wanted him sacked. But this was a day... Of nostalgia. There was no Wenger out signs. I love the fact that they prepared that song just in case they got hammered. <laughs> that they, was a really great and thing. And what was amazing about seeing them hammered, this was a throwback to the days Burnley were crap. Yeah. And Arsenal were an unstoppable force, both of which Do you were think really maybe the date. Burnley side got outplayed deliberately just so their fans could sing yeah. that song? Yeah, we've planned something, lads. We're in the Europa <laughs> League. We got a really good song. They were in the Europa <laughs> League. They did shut it down. Yeah. 5-0. Great way to go. Great memories for Arsenal fans, but just an appetizer for the beautiful ceremony post-game. Mm. What feelings must Arsenal have experienced walking through that tunnel one last time alone, David? He's lived at that club. He has been that yeah. club. Yeah. It's given himself. And even today, he still is that club. It's going to be really weird, really, really weird for him when he goes back in the future and it's not his club anyway. So I think it still feels almost the way it's meant to be. I'm sure there was some denial going on. There was. There's a lot of denial going on, like all of the Wenger out stuff. All of this suddenly was hurt all him. gone, and it must have hurt him. Like an Arthur Miller character. Yes. I want my name back. Give me my name back. It was definitely emotional. You saw that. I'm not an Arsenal lover, but this. I'm, I'm, sometimes I find Arsene is uh, canonised. I find sometimes, and you know, I've said this before, I find the idea that only the way that Arsenal play football can be deemed art, and the idea that... He's this gentleman of the game when he's he's a pretty sore loser. 
Like he's a just like any other manager, he gets very upset at penalties given against him. Never, uh, never sees him. Yeah, never sees him. Never all these kind him. of things. He's done phenomenal service, phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal service for that club. And I'm not sure how many more managers we're going to see spend that long in please, one club. Please God, not Big Sam. I will say, while the speeches were going down, it was fascinating watching him against the wall in agony, the face of a man in a dentist's waiting room rather than one that was going to be honoured. Yeah. And Bob Wilson did say something beautiful about him that captured him. Mm. He said... Former Arsenal goalkeeper, legend, British broadcaster. He said, Wenger came in as an unknown and he yeah. leaves with everyone knowing his name all over the world, which really sums him up. Uh, Whatever yeah. you think about him, that's what sums his time there up. Yeah. But there was something beautiful and sad about the ceremony. I mean, it was awkward to be cheered by those who've loathed him uh, in recent times, now praising him. I know it's not an inconsistency. They wanted him to go, but they're glad for the memories. Uh, to me, Arsene is like Sigmund Freud's God with the feet of clay when you realize your dad is not kind of superhuman. I did love that they gave him the Invincible Season Trophy that they were awarded in recognition of that remarkable season, 2003-04. Beautiful too, what he said. Above all, I am like you. I'm an Arsenal fan. That means this is more than just watching football. It's a way of life. It's about caring for the beautiful game, the values we cherish, and the feeling which goes through every cell of our body. I did tear when he said that. But And at Randy Hauser tweeted us and said, would have been funnier if he was all bitter, like Michael Jordan's (laughs) Hall of Fame speech and just said, you've called for me to go for years. Now you're nice. I hope you never win again. And then walked off. That would be amazing. I mean, look, I I felt watching it that I just can't wait. This is the final scene of Arsene the Musical, which will be coming to the West End, probably to Broadway and touring around uh, the country and the globe in a few years' time. And I did feel his final speech, that's a good, it's it's, it's a good tune. Randy's one is better. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it, it's going to be good. Gunas- the Gunnosaurus number. It's going to be like the, it's going to be like the king. It's going to be like King George the Third in Hamilton. It's going to be like a. It's going to be amazing. The well, Gunnosaurus like scene. The love scene between the two of them, where they dim the house lights and they sing just a beautiful soft song together before the crescendo. I can see the Arsene musical ending in two ways. Number yeah. one, he moves to Everton, comes back to the Emirates and just destroys Arsenal with the greatest display of virtuoso football ever seen at the stadium. He's One gonna, way. He's going to need a thicker cardigan. Here's the other way I think it should go. To me, he is the last great footballing romantic, David. That's how uh-huh. I think about him. And I was a bit shocked that it all ended like that with everyone living. I, I always thought Arsenal fan TV would somehow be deputised with the task of giving Wenger a proper goodbye, like a Viking funeral, David, <laughs> and that they'd lay him in a boat cover his naked body in that entire red tie collection that he's gotten from the Arsenal fan shop. And then they just push him out onto the River Thames and have Gunnosaurus. Where's a mountain near, near London? Like, is it in Essex or something? Well, no, Where's the nearest mountain? Primrose Hill. Primrose Hill. Gunnosaurus would climb yeah. to the top of the park in Primrose Hill. Yeah. Just pull back a flaming arrow towards the dreadboat Venga. Yeah. Send him off to Valhalla. Maybe have Mustafi accompany him just to be on the safe side. Don't you think that would be? That wasn't that what you were expecting? Yeah. No, it would have been. It wasn't what I was expecting, Rog. I can't lie and say <laughs> I expected that scene to play out. But it, that would have been good. That would have been better. The dread boat, Venga. <sighs> to Valhalla. Okay, Rog. Oh, weird. Chelsea played a game this weekend and beat Liverpool. Uh, we finally get to it. Chelsea won, <laughs> Liverpool nil. One game, game in which the actual football was the headline, Rog. Fresh off their Champions League semi-final triumph. Third place, Liverpool. Allow fifth place, Chelsea, a lifeline in the top four race. The game's lone goal came in the 32nd minute from French Liam Hemsworth, Olivier Giroud. 
Both Chelsea and fourth place Spurs play this afternoon, making up a game in hand and potentially tightening the screw on Liverpool. I feel Liverpool are going to be okay. It's it's Tottenham who Chelsea really have in their sights, Rog. Liverpool, after the joyous emotions of their slightly shaky loss in the battle in Rome, but winning the Champions League semi-final war and the prospect of that glorious final now against a a mortal one, should say, Real Madrid. And there's a post-coital cigarette. They had to roll into Chelsea. It yeah. was a bit of an ugly game, David. No, actually, I thought it was quite a good game. Okay. You always see football as being ugly. I think this was quite a good game. I thought two teams went at each other, particularly in that first half. Liverpool came out strong, held the ball, played possession football. And then Chelsea came slowly into the game. Chelsea playing, you know, if you don't like that kind of football, balls sprayed around in midfield, crossed long to the wing, and then crossing and headers. You're only allowed to score with your head. Chelsea would be Premier League champions. We're going to run away with I it. I think the 16-headed goals. 16-headed goals, a, exactly. A, a, and this one was brilliantly angled. I think because Giroud is so good looking, Yeah, that always steals the headlines. And you do not see how brilliantly computed that was by him. Pythagoras in cleats. Oh, this was, this was a fantastic headed goal. And Chelsea have scored some great headed goals this season. Alvaro Morata as well. And, you know, Moses cutting in from the wing, sending it over, small deflection. Giroud rises, just nods it in the back of the net. There's an amazing shot from the back. And you see the Liverpool fans see that go in. And they're like, it's just not a goal you see very much in football anymore. It's a sort of a vintage... Football goal, a centre-forward who can who can get his nonce on it, Rog, and put it into the back of the net. Oh, and what a nonce. Chelsea then sat deep, let Liverpool, slightly rusty, slightly slightly tired, come on to them with very little menace. That You kind of get the sense that that season of frantic Gagan pressing has worn this already thin squad down. Three Premier League games now without a win. They next play against Brighton, which is almost as big as the Real Madrid game for the club financially. They've got to re-qualify for the Champions League one way or another, even as they gird for the final. Let history show, though, Antonio Conte has finished strong. At time of recording, Chelsea have won five straight matches in all competitions for the first time this season on 69 points as we pod. Hot on the heels of Spurs. Do you dream, Davo? My dream would be for Antonio Conte to stay at the club. That's my dream. And I think a lot of Chelsea fans feel exactly the same way. We think Antonio Conte still, he's a Premier League title winner. And I think he's a man... Undone by the politics of the club. Yeah, I think he's he's, he's a guy who could win the Premier League again. And I think Chelsea have a lot of very, very good players. I think Giroud coming in, I personally think Morata's good as well. I think we've got two very good strikers. Might add another one. We've got good players out on loan. We've got players coming back in. Like Chelsea are, are looking okay. Whether or not we make the Champions League, I think Chelsea are in pretty good shape going forward but if we're trying to bet in a new manager and continue this revolving door I don't think it's going to be so good just one thing you talked about Liverpool lacking some sharpness you know it's interesting about Liverpool season Liverpool clearly in terms of the football they've been capable of playing this season have been the only team who I'd really compare to City in terms of the quality of football and we saw that when Liverpool played City and beat them when they both tried to play each other at their own games and go and like play Man City's attacking football versus Liverpool's attacking football and Liverpool's attacking football one in Three that times. game. However, in the in the top six table, the final top six table, it's Liverpool who I think finish in fifth place in that table. Um, Chelsea are above them. Man City obviously in the to- in the in the top six table, uh, you know, ahead of everyone. And this is how, on the whole, the top teams played against Liverpool. They sat back and they sat behind them. They gave them possession, didn't let them just be a complete counter-attacking team, and they played them. I think you're going to see more teams play against Liverpool that way going forward, and I think that may be a preview for the Champions League final. It sounds so odd, but I have a feeling that Real Madrid 
might sit a little against Liverpool and give them the ball. <sighs> I can hardly wait for that game, yeah. though, Dave. Greatness is within touching distance. Talking about greatness to the anals. Yes, Rog. Over the weekend, we saw several teams officially make it aboard the life raft that is headed for the 2018-2019 <laughs> Premier League season. West Ham clinched safety, uh, if you can call anything related to West Ham safety, with a 2-0 win over Leicester. Watford did so with a 2-1 victory over Newcastle. And your former side chick, Rog, Bournemouth, did so with a win at Swansea. But perhaps the most Rudy, Rudiger-esque scenes came from Brighton, Rog, who felled mighty Man United Friday night 1-0 behind a second-half Pascal Gross goal. This, Brighton's first win over United in 36 years, Rog, ensured only their second top-flight season since 1983. That's a lot of senses, Let the record show I still love Bournemouth. I've got my cherries underpants on even as we speak, my boxes. Who is your new side chick, though? I don't know. J-Dubs will tell me. Who do I like most? Huddersfield Town. Yeah, kind of because I want David Wagner to be the next Everton manager. But I've got to say, Pascal Gross... Liverpool have sort of become your side chick Don't as well. you yeah. say that! Yeah, you love Jurgen. You love Jurgen no, Klopp. No, You, you can't get enough think, of Jurgen Klopp. I'll, You've got a little mind. red right now. <laughs> Just want to mention his name. Oh, you went, ooh! Ooh! Okay, Are you going to tell everyone that I've been writing chaste Victorian love poetry to Jurgen Klopp next, Dave? Are you going to out all my secrets? Uh, yeah. In old German. <laughs> can, we, can we talk about Pascal Gross? Yeah, go ahead. Talk about Pascal one Gross. Of the stout, little, uh, Another German. That'll undo my thickening. Yeah. He's one of the stall signings of the season. Yeah. He stabbed the ball exactly 28.3 millimetres over the goal line before it was hooked away. Mm. A fitting symbol of the slender margin between success and failure, glory and defeat. Cue scenes of enormous delirium at that tiny cauldron that is Brighton's Amex, which reminds me of going to a game in Sporting Kansas City, just a perfectly compact stadium shaking with noise. When you think of Brighton, incredible city, what do you think about, David? How would you describe it to someone that's never been there? Brighton. Um, like an old seaside town. Well, an old seaside town. I think of Graham Greene's Brighton Rock. My oh. sister lived there. Yeah. Um, it's taken on a progressive, creative artistic No, it is. It's, it was very, very welcoming of the gay community. And so some people sort of said it sort of modeled itself after San Francisco, that it became sort of the South Coast San Francisco. Yeah. It's not really anything well, like it's San kind Francisco. Of, it's kind of part, it's co- quaint. It's part lovely, of Coney Island where I went this weekend, part yeah, Berlin. Lovely little streets, lovely little colorful Terraced houses, it's incredible pubs, bars. It's a nice place. It's a fantastic place. Huge rave culture, huge amount of history and nostalgia. When I was in Brighton mm. filming there on the eve of the season, most of the fans had an incredible gallows humour at all that was to come and a determination to savour every moment. I actually met an undertaker who's one of their super fans mm. and he told me he's just all he's focused on is just Chelsea away, looking forward to it. Manchester United. You know, and he said, we're going to get whacked, but I'm going to make great memories. And I will say, manager Chris Hewton and his squad, they've given him and them that and more. What a remarkable collective achievement. Huge respect to Chris Hewton, perpetually given the short stick by Newcastle, by Norwich, treated so badly so many times on his managerial journey. There's so few minority managers at the top levels. He's had to fight, always retained the nobility. This will be sweet vindication for him. Congratulations to uh, everyone at Brighton. An incredible season, Rog. But we have buried the survival story lead, Rog, after beginning the season without winning or scoring in seven games. Palace are staying up. They clinched survival with a 2-1 win over Stoke, condemning the Potters to the championship next season. Great piece of commentary at the final whistle. 
After a decade of defiance, the potter's wheel comes to a halt. (laughs) (laughs) Stoke took the lead in this one, but once the game was level, you just saw just a lack of composure and chaos gripping Paul Lambert's team, Mm. which perfectly kind of symbolised why one of these teams stayed up, Roy Hodgson's Crystal Palace, and one was jettisoned out of the Premier League. There's just a tenacity to this Palace side, Davo. I mean, you understand where it's come from, but it's totally absent from Stoke. I think when you look at it, uh, if you look at the table based on win expectation, that sort of stat that Opta do based on in-game, who they expect to win, Palace, I think, would have ended up something like seventh in the league. Like, they were they were phenomenal uh, this season until the final 10 minutes of games. And I think that this is a very good team with one of the Premier League's very best players in Wilfred Zaha and a lot of other good players. I mean, James MacArthur is a fantastic Premier League player and they're solid all over the park. They've got speed down the wings. They've got creativity. They've got some spine in the middle. They, they really are a very good side. They just got really unlucky at the beginning of the season. Definitely, Steve Parrish would hold his hand up and say, we made the wrong managerial choice. Uh, should, should bringing in Sam. FDB, <laughs> I know I've been good for you. Not the wrong, not the wrong managerial choice for Everton, Ross. The wrong managerial choice for Crystal Palace, but they corrected Roy. What an amazing thing for this man! I mean, how must he be feeling? Vindicated. He his last spell in the English press was all about his humiliation after, you know, basically resigning in the wake of uh, England's failure in Euro two thousand and sixteen against Iceland. He was really sort of taken through the ringer, you know, by the British press, basically called a dullard, a doltard, man who didn't know what he was doing, old, clueless, all these, of these, these things. And these this, these and this are all was, my quotes. Yeah, these were just by Rog, <laughs> who's always rather like Roy Hodgson at the same time. I, mean, I think he's, he's my dad. He is. He's a lovely... He's all of our dads. He's sort of an amazing man. He's and I think he's vindicated. Dad. And I think what's proven this season is just how much he knows about football, actually how hard he is, how tough he is, and uh, how much he cares about this football club. And that's... The Palace fans love him. Now, the Palace fans love him, and long may he stay. Farewell, Stoke, a team once feared in their pomp for their murderous, barbaric defending. And you only have to look at the, the winning goal for Palace in this one, oh. where, where Stoke just kind of trotted, lackluster lollygagging uh, as, as Palace scored. They are a shadow Stoke of what they once were. My mm. wife noticed something about Stoke as they showed their fans' sad faces at the final whistle. Every Stoke supporter looks like some kind of distant relative of Peter Crouch. Steve sent a note after the game. I sent him a congratulations, and he sent a note actually just saying how bad he felt for Stoke. Yeah. This is a club that, you know, I think sometimes on the field, we don't see the best of this club, but off the field, tremendous uh, club behind the scenes, do tremendous work around the community. They're they're a hub for that community. The the stadium buzzes midweek with just community groups using the different executive suites as a meeting place have rarely stepped into a club which is more embedded in its community yeah and it's just so tough so one team stays up another team goes down it's a it's life oh, relegation I won't well, forget life in that league. I won't forget Jack Butland's tears of agony at the final whistle as yeah. Stoke went down never let it be said that players only care about their own careers and I will say as an Everton fan I think fans of every team outside the big six will know watching those tears there but for the grace of God go I at Rob Nees, for you, Davo, an English Premier League with no red and white stripey teams is no English Premier League at all. <sighs> I know. I, l- I love a red and white. I mean, Sunderland gone, Stoke gone. And as Paul Carr tweeted, Stoke City's relegation means a US international has been relegated in three straight Premier League seasons. Oh, wow. Jeff Paul Cameron, Carr blows our mind. Farewell before Guzan and then before that Guzan, which yeah. is a brutal statistic, <laughs> yeah. just as Liverpool are rumoured to be signing 
Christian Pulisic. I did, though, read that Alexander-Arnold is eligible to play for the US through his... That's right. Yeah, through he's his got a relative. He's got an American he grandmother. He loves it here. Yeah. He loves it, loves it here. Get on yeah. it, Sarakan. Yeah. All of these results lead to last night and what was essentially a one-game relegation oh. Rochambeau between Swansea and Southampton. Southampton entered the game coming off a heartbreaking 1-1 draw with Everton mm. that thanks to a Tom... Davis, no relation goal with virtually the last kick of the ball felt like a loss. But the Saints bounced back and prevailed here, beating the Swans 1-0 thanks to a 72nd minute remarkable and very rare Manolo Gabbiadini goal. Yeah, I mean, it was a relegation playoff was what it felt like. Should have actually played it over the moon door in the high hall of the Erie. It was a game that financially is bigger than the Champions League final. It was nervy, tight sphincted fair. Swansea haven't scored since Wales was populated by warlike Silura's tribes. Southampton, equally toothless. You always got the feeling it would be decided late by heavy legs, tired minds. And so it was. Sadai Gabbiadini, the forgotten stoner striker, tried off the bench to slap home some corner slop. As they showed the clock ticking down, David, and the Swansea fans stressed to the max. My second oldest son, Bear, turned to me and he said, wow, people do actually bite their nails. It's not just a phrase. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. That's so, so good. I also love the cameras cutting to a Swansea fan fervently praying. I mean, really praying. You can see it in our Twitter feed. Relegation zone prayers, you need to know. They're the most fervent and the Mm. least often answered, mostly because God's a Chelsea fan. But what's rarer, Dave, a Southampton win or a Mark Hughes smile? Because I think... I may have glimpsed both. Can I just say, perhaps the saddest part of the whole thing was Brave West Brom. Yep, I just said that, David. Yeah, they Brave were. West Brom were relegated automatically. Yeah, the hottest team in football. Other than Chelsea, I think they've got the hottest form in the league. Yeah, the last-minute heroics of Darren Moore. It's been astonishing watching him try and just, like, press his lips, Davo, against Alan Pardew's West Brom's kind of corpse that he'd left behind, give it the kiss of life, pummel it yeah. on the chest, get that heart working again. Yeah. Five games unbeaten. Yeah. Beat Jose, beat Rafa, beat Pochettino, 60% win percentage. That awful stat, 19-game period in which Alan Pardew was not the West Brom manager. They'd be in the top half. Darren Moore for Everton. Uh, Darren Moore for the US men's national team, David. Yeah. But I've got a feeling he's probably going to go and work at Axe Capital. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see if he's, if he's got the hat. We uh, now know the second of the teams that will be joining us for next season's Premier League party, Raj. Cardiff City joined Wolves over the weekend by virtue of a nil-nil draw with Reading and third-place Fulham's 3-1 loss to Burbagub. Welcome back, Cardiff City. Unfancied, raw, without a filter. Cardiff City, you dirty dozen-like side. Do you remember Vincent Tan, David? Yeah. Remember him? Once hated, but on this day carried shoulder-high by Cardiff fans (laughs) after the 0-0 draw which brought them back. Their manager, also widely despised. How would you describe Neil Warnock, David? Looks like Mrs. Doubtfire. He does, but also somewhat respected in football circles. Yep. He's one of those, I'm a football person. Yeah, he's a football person. Set a new record of eight promotions as manager. He's spiky, he's provocative, he's basic. He's yeah. probably, he's genuinely despised, widespread despised. Yeah. He said last week pre-game, we are not everybody's cup of tea, but we are not going away. We're like a rash, aren't we? <laughs> it's great being the manager of this lot. I'm only sad they will not probably get to play Swansea because that derby, the yeah. Cardiff-Swansea derby is oh. proper kicks off and I'm still angry at you, Swansea. You should never have fired Bob Bradley. Absolutely. The third and final team to come up will be determined by the snake pit that is the championship playoffs. Fulham 
will play Derby County. Both teams have good Premier League pedigree, Rod, especially Derby. John Terry's Aston Villa will play Robbie Musto's Middlesbrough in the first round. The only difference is I don't believe Musto is, is, uh, is suiting up for Middlesbrough <laughs> this season. Those games are Friday and Saturday on ESPN+. Plus. What is that? It's a whole other network we've got to get hold of somehow. How do we get that? Hope it's on my Fubo. Does that get, do you just plug that? Do you just get that plug right into your nipples? Yeah. How, does that, how does one access ESPN Plus? Do you yeah, know? I don't know. I think you get it through your electric razor. I have no idea how you get it. Through the microwave. Yeah. I oh, know that's Cardiff. That's the rash. <laughs> uh, we'll see. Okay, in MLS, Rog. MLS. Sporting. Kansas City continue their hot start to the season, extending their lead in the Western Conference with a 1-0 win over Colorado. And big things happening in Jamlando, Rog, as they have now won a club record six straight games mm. after this weekend's 3-1 comeback over Real Salt Lake. Atlanta moved to the top of the Eastern Conference with a 2-1 win at Chicago. The team they leapfrogged, NYCFC, who fell 4-0 to Crosstown rivals New York Red Bulls. Oh, the Red Bulls, they took out a hammer. Yeah. Have you seen a fight ever where someone takes out a hammer? Yeah. Oh, my God. It was like someone took out a hammer. They smashed NYCFC early and often. 4-0 in the weekend that Vieira to Arsenal rumours quietened slightly and Vieira to Everton rumours started to pipe up a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if there's any coincidence. For real, I did love Dax McCarty's tweet during the game, Red Wedding, part two. What do you think about the rumours of Wayne Rooney to DC United then? How will Wayne Rooney process DC? And what will our good friend, the British ambassador <laughs> to the United States, uh, Sir Kim Darrick, do with Wayne Rooney well, in DC? We should get him for our live show. Yeah. It'd be amazing. <laughs> We've heard about this for the last two months, the, mm -hmm. the, the rumour. Um, I will say his Everton return has been heartbreaking to witness. You cannot go home. You cannot go home. And if this MLS deal happens, I'll just say this. But by the way, one of the owners of Swansea owns DC United. Should probably bring over both IU brothers. There should be a rule like saving Private Ryan that the Premier League cannot lose two brothers yeah. at one time. What, oh, that's interesting. Won't someone think about... Yeah, J-Dubs is obsessed yeah. with this. He's like, won't someone think of Mrs. IU and her feelings? <laughs> but one of the owners is trying to bring him over, Wayne. And I say, if it does happen... DC United need to learn from Steven Gerrard's complete inability to settle in LA. It was such a huge, huge culture. Where's the four? I don't know. The 405 goes to where? You've got to give Wayne Rooney a live-in support system to help him find his way around the beltway. You need someone who will live with him and introduce him to the burger tap and shake. He's going to do great in MLS for sure. He'll probably just hang out in the centre circle and ping the ball around like David Beckham did so successfully. But you've got to look after a Liverpool boy out of Liverpool. He'll love the Smithsonian, though, <laughs> Roger. All, all of the museums. I wonder which his favourite monument's going to be. I think the one of Marco Echeverry. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Thiesman. I like Joe Thiesman. There are many other ways to connect to us, uh, including our now extinct Amazon Emporium, which has transformed Roger into the Men in Blazers Bald Mart. Anytime you buy something big or small from the Bald Mart, John the Biggins. Anytime you buy something big or small from the Bald Mart, we get a tiny percentage that allows us to produce additional, albeit suboptimal content. What are you putting in the Bald Mart this week, Roger? Is um, it a book? It's a book. Is it, it is, it's, it's a book. Is it our book? Oh, is it our book? It's a book that's got more words than our book. It's called God Save Texas, A Journey into the Soul of the Lone Star State. Lawrence Wright wrote it, 2007 Pulitzer Prize winner for the Al-Qaeda investigation, The Looming Tower. It's an amazing book. He travels around his home state determined to mine its soul, dig beneath the myths, 
understand what makes the great state's heart beat. He's an amazing storyteller, and he's so comfortable reveling in the complexities of the material he's dealing with. Almost every page, every story, Davo made me want to move to Texas. How long do you think I'd last if I moved to Texas? Austin, six months, anywhere else, like a week. Here's a bite of his writing. I love barbecue. It's a taste of democracy. He writes about the gift shop at the Alamo, which he calls a kind of Lords of Texas kitsch, where, quote, an aspiring Texan can get fully outfitted with the clothing, the cultural, the philosophical stances that embody Texas stereotypes, cowboy individualism, a kind of wary friendliness, super patriotism, defiance of all government authority, and a hair-trigger sense of grievance. I think I'd fit right in, David, with all of that, to Texas and to this phenomenal book. I landed in Dallas. I was in Dallas for the NFL draft just for a few hours on Friday. And I landed at Dallas. I was quite struck in the airport by how many full kit wanker cowboys I saw. I love a full kit wanker cowboy. I think it probably lasts less than a week, actually, thinking <laughs> yeah. about that. Talking cowboys, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, men's style, Roger. We're going to talk a little bit about menswear right now. We're blazer people. We love blazers. <sighs> we like formal wear. We, like, we, we love a blazer. However... I don't spend my whole waking life. I wear a blazer to work, wearing a little grey flannel number today. You've got a you, is that a suit? Little suit. pinstripe, yeah. nice green lining. Paul Smith, very very nice stuff. Um, uh, but I do wear other jackets. I love a Harrington. I love a suede Harrington, particularly. I love a I love a bomber jacket, Rog. But recently, I returned. I bought a jacket. It was actually the first time ever I've been inspired by my son to like go back to a clothing choice. And my son wanted for his birthday nothing more than a denim jacket. And he, I bought him a denim jacket, and he loves his denim jacket. I don't know where he got the idea from. don't know what movie he watched. don't know what he was watching, but he <sighs> wanted a denim jacket really badly. I haven't worn a denim jacket Rumble since fish. I was in college. I think I had an old denim jacket I wore in college. Were you collars up, David? Always. On a denim jacket, it's a piece of outerwear. It's an outer garment. It is a little bit of a collar-up jacket, but I think it's convertible. It should, though, be so worn in that even with the collar up, it doesn't really stay up. It's just like you've got to wear in a denim jacket. I've been searching for the perfect denim jacket. I'm a big Levi's guy, but Levi's did, just didn't have the right denim jacket, just didn't, didn't fit right. I found a fantastic denim jacket at Club Monaco. They've got, like, two very good... Club Monaco, by the way, Stealth Secret, they make some very good clothes. Really, really fantastic fits. They're the Burnley of the clothing. They're very clothing. good. Club Monaco, I'm, I'm a big fan of their men's shop. They've got a denim jacket. It's just excellent. It's cut really well. Really, really high-quality denim. They've got a couple of different sort of, you know, colour and a couple of other sort of, you know, wash. God, it's a good jacket. First thing I did, bought it, threw it in the middle of the street, watched it get run over a few times because you need, you need it to get a little bit worn in. But I must say I'm enjoying my wearing, denim jacket. Is that how you're wearing a denim jacket? Yeah, Throw it in the street, get That's it run crazy. over. Crazy, yeah. Get, preferably be by one of those bendy buses. That's, That's crazy. what you really need. Seriously, no, you need to get a denim That's jacket not, worn that's in. That's not how you're wearing a denim jacket. How do you do it? You go into a biker bar, <laughs> and you just go up to the biggest, meanest looking biker, yeah, and just punch him, yeah, and then just make sure you got your denim jacket on. Yeah, and no, that's how I've always worn it. Just like have, what movie? Stopped. What movie did you see this in? My life. Yeah. It's called, that's how you're wearing a denim jacket. <laughs> Just get into a gang fight at a biker bar. Anyway, I think it's time. You. Denim jacket, pair of chinos. Yeah. Denim jacket, 
Maybe don't wear it with your blue jeans. Blue jeans, blue denim jacket. Don't like that. That's the old Canadian tuxedo. Oh. My mate Joe occasionally goes full denim. Denim, <laughs> denim he, jeans, denim shirt, and denim jacket. He can sort of pull it off he, just, but it's like... By the way, this is a guy, if you know, he looks good in leather chaps too. I yeah, mean, it's, it's, unless you look good in leather chaps, do yeah. not try it. Yeah, he looks like he plays in the NHL. It's a good look. Denim jacket, get yourself one. It's a good thing. We might have to do a new podcast. Today in Denim Jacket. Well, wearing men, in denim, men in Denim Jackets. It would be a good one. Be all about full kit wanker cowboys. Our next podcast yeah. will be live from the Golden Blazer, David. Wow. I cannot wait. And you'll be a published author. Yeah, there you go. Life. I've arrived. The Ven- place to be. Vendorpunk Roger. War pig. Who wants to sex Matumbo? I like snacks. Balls win, balls win. Take that, Gloria. I tell you, for this week only, Baldwin, Pep Guardiola. To Tweed. Abricado, rock on, mate. Kung Fu, fine America. Love you, Dave. Love you, Rog. Won't somebody think about Mrs. Are you? <laughs> John Riggins. Joe Theismann. Doug Williams. Art Monk. Gary Clark. John Harks. Blue Serena. Really? Blue Serena. Freddie Adu. <laughs> Um... <laughs>